Good morning on this Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK. I am PK. What a time it's been. Oh, my gosh. It was about just 25 hours ago. I was on the air yesterday. (laughs) And the way the thing is set up with the virus going around, I was doing the show from home. And at 7.09, I'm talking about something, talking about sports, what's trending. I think we just dipped into some NFL football. And, uh, boy, my house started shaking. At first, I thought it was the wind. Nope, it was not the wind. It was an earthquake, as we all know by now. Whew, man. And this is on top of the coronavirus. Just crazy. What a crazy time. Scary time, too. You know, obviously, our sports has been interrupted. Everything completely, completely shut down. Now, it doesn't mean there's not stuff to talk about, certainly. It doesn't mean that things are going on. Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director, you know, that various forms of social media, he went ahead and addressed his fans and for BYU and as far as what they plan to do and if you have purchased tickets to any of their upcoming events. So we thought we'd let you take a listen to Tom, uh, who is reassuring BYU fans. Here's BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo. Hello, Cougar Nation. As all of us engage in the work of assuring the health and well-being of our families, friends, and neighbors, as well as carefully monitoring information to stay ahead of the coronavirus, I felt it important to reach out to you with an update as well as a message of hope. The dramatic series of events surrounding the expansion of the virus across the globe and in our communities has made us all pause and reflect on the order of priorities in our lives. We now rely on all the areas of our preparations prior to the outbreak to help us respond in positive and productive ways as we chart new courses moving forward to deal with the challenges and opportunities ahead. My prayers are with all of you that you will be safe from harm's way and be able and willing to assist in the much needed planning for our immediate and future recovery. The past few days, I've had the incredible experience of communicating with BYU's coaches and athletic staff and many of our amazing student athletes. The vast majority of them are well. They are resilient and able to adapt to the changes around them. They are already looking ahead to resuming where they left off on the road to achieving their longtime goals and dreams. Their initial sadness at the news of the abrupt stoppage of their seasons subsided quickly as they learned of the benefits of their sacrifice for the betterment and safety of our communities. Social distancing to flatten the curve became their new reality, at least for their immediate futures. Brigham Young University encouraged all students to consider returning to their homes as a precaution to stem the spread of the virus in our campus community. All BYU students will complete the winter semester remotely and await further instruction from the Church Educational System and Board of Trustees on when to return to classes on campus. As you can imagine, the ever-changing landscape presents unique challenges and concerns for some of our student athletes. For these individuals, we are prepared to provide every resource available to assist them as they navigate through the uncertainty of the immediate future. The wonder of modern technology allows us the opportunity to stay connected while apart and still continue to strengthen relationships. Our coaches are eager to continue mentoring their student athletes in this transition period. 
it's been heartwarming for me to see the love and compassion these coaches have for their athletes. It's wonderful to see how much these athletes and coaches want to be there for each other. They've learned valuable lessons and gained hard-to-match experiences battling together as teammates prior to this present challenge. Their faith is strong and their hope for the future is bright. There's been much discussion about making things right for those athletes that were not able to complete their season. This includes the NCAA announcing it would grant eligibility relief for student athletes who participated in spring sports and review similar opportunities for those who competed in winter sports who are unable to participate in conference or NCAA championships. In the coming weeks, we will learn more about these possibilities and share them with you as we can. BYU Athletics is prepared to make good on the tickets that were purchased to home events that have been canceled. If you've purchased tickets for canceled events, you'll be receiving additional information directly. Together with BYU Broadcasting, our athletic staff is working to make BYU TV's Sports Nation a great source of information, of stories and conversation surrounding this unprecedented time in BYU athletics history. We'll also do our best to communicate with Cougar Nation through BYUcougars.com and our various social media channels. We fully understand that for some BYU Cougar fans, this might not be the right time and place for sports in their day-to-day lives. We also realize the connection with our teams, coaches, and athletes might be exactly what others need. There will be a day in the future when the games will start up again. Between now and then, peace be with you. When the games do resume, we will do all we can to have our teams ready to give their all for BYU. During this unprecedented break, I will miss seeing many of you at the games cheering on the Cougs. As I told our athletes, coaches, and staff, take care of yourself, take care of your families, take care of your neighbors. Be loyal, strong, and true. That's what you are. We'll get through this together. Thank you. All right, that was BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo. Now, one of the big stories, today would be the day. Now, we had uh, Tuesday and Wednesday with uh, what I still call them the playing games, but the heart of the tournament was scheduled for the NCAA tournament was scheduled to start this morning at 10 a.m., and it's not going to start, and this is where it really hits us for sure. So we thought we would let you hear the Utah State coach Craig Smith talking about that. He was on with Hans and Scotty. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. 97.5-1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. Welcome on in. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday morning. What a crazy 24 hours it has been. Right? Uh, this morning... 10 o'clock, supposed to be the NCAA tournament, but it's not going to be there. What a huge loss for all of us. Everybody, I think everybody looks forward, and whether you're even just a casual fan, you look forward to the NCAA tournament. 
Uh, Utah State obviously had earned a bid. They were going to be in it for sure. They're one of the few teams in the country that could absolutely guarantee that they were going to be in because they had their pl- their tournament early. And uh, the Aggies with the Sam Merrill shot, we had him on the other day, the thrilling shot. Scotty and Hands had on Coach Smith from Utah State. We thought we'd replay that interview, let you hear what he has to say about not participating in the NCAA tournament. Craig Smith joining us on the Sprint special guest line. And, Coach, I would love nothing more than to be chatting with you about an NCAA tournament game. How are you hanging in up there after uh, after what was a, a crazy week last week? Well, Scotty and Hans, thanks for having me on. Um, I always enjoy it. Uh, it's been a, you know, it's been a interesting week. It's amazing how the how fast things change. I know it's been talked about a lot. So um, you experience about every kind of range of emotion. You know, you 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 just yeah, you your heart goes out to our players for sure. So much empathy that goes into it and. Uh, just the range of emotion has been um, pretty incredible, and uh, it's just amazing how fast things change in in, in less than a week's time. And so, uh, you know, we, uh, yesterday was really difficult. You know, selfishly for the for our team and everybody that's involved, and our, our fans, of course. You know, because we earned the right to to play in the tournament, but you got to see the big picture too. And obviously, it's amazing. Every 24 hours, it seems like things are dramatically changing and so um it's kind of un- uncharted territory unprecedented times and and um uh, you make the most of it well coach first of all i'll tell you this is scotty and i's first opportunity to be back together and back on air since last wednesday and so it feels really good to be back together but it feels really great to hear your voice and to just get your thoughts on all this. And what I'd like you to do is take us back to Thursday as things start to, you know, come more together. We better our understanding what's moving forward in the world of sports and help us understand how you took in news as it was coming and how you disseminated it to your players and staff. Yeah, it's, uh, it was, uh, you know, they don't give you a handbook for this type of thing. And it was really interesting. After we won the championship, obviously, the you know, Saturday late afternoon, you go to the, the press room and towards the end of the press conference, somebody asked about what would, what would it be like playing in front of an empty arena. And I think we all just kind of thought, wow, that's a kind of a random, you know, question. I, I know Sam and Nimi were caught off guard. I was. I just didn't even really think about it, but it was just kind of one of those things that, for whatever reason, stuck in my head. Um, because, you know, as a coach, sometimes, I mean, our first practice was September 26th. So you, you do the math, that's five and a half months. And we always tell our guys if, if you do it right, it's a six month season. And, and so you kind of live in this bubble and just kind of a, you kind of have the blinders on and you just go, 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 go. And quite frankly, a lot of the outside world, at least for me, uh, not that it doesn't exist, but I'm just so locked into our team um, that you don't pay a whole lot of attention to other things. So that kind of hit me and just kind of stuck in the back of my head. It's like, okay, if she's asking this, there must be something kind of, you know, going on. And, and then Tuesday, I just started kind of following some stuff on Twitter. We didn't have anyone to prepare for prepare for we gave our guys um, most of our guys well all of our guys two days off and our heavy minutes guys justin bean Mimi, sam we gave them three days off um and we had an unbelievable practice on wednesday i mean phenomenal practice 
on Wednesday, and of course, right before practice is when they came out, the NCAA came out and said um, there will be games, but no um, spectators. And so you kind of see a little disappointment before practice, a little bit, but we got our minds right and, you know, moved on and had, like I said, a great practice. And like I told the guys after practice, like, hey, you know, there's a chance this could get worse. And I'd actually called a couple of our staff guys and said, I have a feeling this is going to be canceled. So when the news came that it was not going to be canceled and spectators, it was almost a little bit of a relief. And then, of course, everything happened, you know, unfortunately, well, depends on how you look at it, but with, with Rudy Gobert, and that just changed everything. And, um, and so we showed up to practice but every, on Thursday, and everybody could kind of figure out the, the direction it was going. And it was one of those moments, guys, where um, I just remember exactly where I was, what I was doing when the NCAA made that announcement, right, that all, all championships are going to be um, canceled. And so, you know, that was at about probably 2.15 on Thursday, and there had been an all-head uh, coaches meeting. John Hartwell, our athletic director, called a head coaches meeting for 2.30. He called that at, like, noon. And, and then certainly all of that has changed. So then we were supposed to practice at 3.15, and we go there and let them know it. Man, you just can't even describe the um, just every range of emotion. You know, um, you see a guy like Sam Merrill, who I've never seen shed a tear, and there was a lot of tears with him. Uh, a guy like Diogo Brito, who Diogo is just a passionate, you know, spitfire. And we're all meeting on the gym at center court, and we get done, and Diogo sprints up the ramp. You know, he just didn't want to say goodbye. He didn't want to give hugs. He didn't want to. Uh, and not give hugs because of the coronavirus. It just wasn't ready for it to be done. And and you just go right through the line of guys, and it's a, a gut-wrenching, you know, because those guys put so much into it. And those those guys grow up dreaming of that moment. And, and, and almost half our roster has never been to the NCAA tournament. So there's just so much goes into it. But you just be there for them. you got to lead for them. Like we said all year, when we had a, a rough stretch, we will not flinch. Um, but it was a very, very difficult time, certainly. And, and they're allowed to have that emotion as a mourn. And people will say, well, it's the right thing. Well, nobody's saying it's not the right thing. Yeah. It's just a very difficult thing when you grow up and that's your dream from the time you're five years old and you earn that right to play in it. And so you got to be there for your guys and support them, certainly, and communicate in a major way. But it was a tough, tough, tough deal to go through. Craig Smith, head coach at Utah State, joining uh, Hans Olsen and myself, Scott Gerard, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Coach, I want to go back. Let's talk about better things. You and I, we, we chatted a little bit off the air, but I want to get your on-air response to that San Diego State game. Uh, is that is I mean that's got to rank up there with one of the greatest moments of your coaching career. The shot with Sam Merrill, so much that went into it, overcoming a 16 point deficit midway through the first half, cutting it down to eight. I mean, just take us through the emotions and let's talk about some of the good because that was as fun of any game I've ever been a part of, and I can't imagine what it was like from your perspective. Well, you're just giving me goosebumps right now, uh, up and down my body. It was uh, what, a, and that's one thing. What an epic game certainly one that goes down in the history books for Utah State basketball and uh, one of the best games I've ever been a part of without a question and if not the best and and um, you know that's one thing we told our guys 
after the announcement is how fortunate were we to be able to play our conference tournament, right? The, the Mountain West Conference moved up the conference tournament one week, and we were allowed to experience March Madness in not the big dance, but that was March Madness at its fullest for those three days because we did have to overcome a lot. Uh, that's the, the quarterfinal game was crazy, all yep. the obstacles we had to overcome with Sam being in foul trouble with Mimi and Abel not playing. And in the title game, Bearstow gets a, I don't know, it's like a small, uh, I shouldn't say small, but a fracture in his arm, and Porter's back to play, thank goodness. And Fonz plays unbelievable, hits two big threes for us. But, you know, going into that day, going into that game, it's just kind of, you ever seen the movie Miracle? Miracle on Ice, Herb nope. Brooks, and... And uh, so I know it's hockey, uh, but it just kind of felt like I told one of our staff guys, I had a really good feeling about the game. Like I knew it was going to be close, and then it's just a matter of if we can find a way to win in that last minute. And it kind of felt like we were the Americans and they were the Russians from that movie. And uh, uh, But I just had this calm feeling that we were going to play well. It certainly wasn't ideal when we were down, what was it, 27 to 11? Yep. And... We got up to, you know, we, hit, we, we scored right away, and then we just stuck on 11 forever. But I thought we had really good shots. Like Sam, People always talk about Sam's, you know, the three at the end, of course. But they forget that Sam started the game one for six from the field. And, I mean, he missed some wide open, really clean looks. And I thought Keita missed some really clean looks. Our best two scores were getting the bulk of our shots. We just couldn't make a shot. And... And we just kept telling our guys, stay the course, stay the course. We're getting good looks. We're getting clean looks. And San Diego State is like number four in the country in, in, in defense. So we were worried about getting really good looks, but we were getting them. So we just felt like it was a matter of time. And then, of course, uh, it was huge uh, lateness in the first half. I think we went on a 7-0 run maybe or a 9-0 run, whatever it was. And um, Sam kind of put us on his back there. And then, of course, Diogo hit a big three. We ran a side-out-of-bounds play that we don't get to run a whole lot, but it was perfect for that situation. And, and Diogo made that three, and we go in only down eight at halftime. And it felt like we should have been down 18. You know, it was one of those, like, man, we got them right where we want them. And then jumped on a 7-0 start, start the second half, and then it was a heavyweight fight, man. And and uh, it was like Ali versus Hearns. And... Um, and we just kept coming and kept coming. And our guys had great poise. We had a great look to us. And obviously, we were able to find a way to win. But everyone wants to talk about how we were stuck on 11 points. We scored 48 points in the last 22 minutes of that game against the number four defensive team in the country. And I think that says a lot about the character and especially the toughness um, that our team has. Coach, I am following a lot of different storylines now as as things change and and the landscape is shifting with recruiting and so much. I've got a daughter who's being recruited and interested in how much things are going to change for her and her recruiting process. What is this change and and how is this affecting you and your staff and your ability to go out and recruit? That's a great question. And I'm not sure, um, you know, it's funny – uh, and you were just talking there. I was like, you know what? I flashed back to two years ago. I got hired almost two years ago today. And I'll never forget shaking your hand. And you like almost tore my arm off. Um, <laughs> I was really were, excited. Like, stronger than strong. So I, I, I digress. But <laughs> I was just a flashback moment there. Uh, recruiting. Um, 
You know, it, it's it, like obviously it really hurts here. You know, they put a recruiting restriction on. We cannot leave um, campus. It's called a dead. They have four different types of calendars for the NCAA, and one of them is a dead period. And a dead period means coaches can't go on the road and recruits can't go visit campus, whether it's on an official visit or an unofficial visit. And so it does change things. And and I believe as of right now, it's still April 15th. I know what I'm guessing that's going to be, but I mean, I'm guessing it's probably going to be longer than that. And so you've got to do your best on the phone, cultivating relationships. And, and for basketball, things are changing by the hour, quite frankly. Like you just put this morning in, how many um, student-athletes around the country have put their name into the transfer portal, right? Yeah. And so the recruiting list just gets bigger and bigger and bigger for guys that are looking to transfer schools. And then, of course, you have guys that we've been recruiting for quite some time, um, uh, even in the early period. So it's an ongoing process. Everybody's got the same uh, difficulties to navigate, so it is an equal playing field from that respect. But certainly – uh, it makes for a difficult challenge. We're allowed um, 130 recruiting days in men's basketball, and we, we were on the high end of that, so we, we started kind of slowing down, not slowing down, but slowing down our travel a little bit just to make sure we don't run out of days. And, and now we have the moratorium, and, and so I guess that part probably doesn't matter. But hopefully you have great relationships with those, those kids, and I feel really good about where we're at with our recruiting. How weird does it feel to flip the switch after you mentioned a five and a half month season uh, and all the ups and downs and all of that, and then all of a sudden, just like that, it's done, it's over. Um, how hard is that as a coaching staff, especially when it ends sooner than you anticipated that it will, to try to flip the uh, flip the book and work on the next chapter? You know, Scott, it's, for me personally, and I can't speak for our assistants or other coaches, but. You know, for me personally, it's been way more difficult than I thought um, because there's just, like, we have very little closure. Yeah. You know, there's a reason, uh, and I don't, I don't want this to be taken out of context, but, like, in most things in life, um, whether you resign from a job or you, you know, if you lose, the, you lose a loved one, or what, there's things, there's closure. And, and... And here you are for five and a half months. You're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing. And this year we, this year we've just had a lot of stuff that we had to overcome. And 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 people would say the expectation. No, it wasn't expectations. Maybe a little bit, but it was. We just had so many injuries. We have high a high group of achievers on, and we and we did it. We peaked at the end. We played one nine out of our ten last ten and twelve or last fourteen, and you beat the number five team in the country and. And just the smiles on everybody's face, right? Uh, I saw you in the media room, Scotty, afterwards, and the smile on your face, and Ajay, and 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 each of our players, and the moms and dads, and, and all of Aggie Nation, and the the just the exhilarating finish that we had, and and we're going back dancing. You have all of that. I mean, all of that. The pomp and circumstance. We get back at 4 a.m. or just before 4 a.m on Saturday night, and we have like 75 people at 4 a.m. waiting to greet our team. It's unbelievable. So you have all of that, and, and then there's just, and then you even have the emotion of, okay, we're going to play, but it's with spectators. And then that, so, so now you meet as the team, and you go through that, 
And now, you know, school's not shut down, but they're encouraging students to leave, right, to get up. And, and so our closure was literally on the floor going through that. You're saying goodbye to your seniors, and we had just won. So, like, a lot of times the closure is when you lose, right, in, in men's basketball. And there's only a few that win their last game, and that's if they don't make their conference tournament um, or they win the national title or they win the NIT championship. So it was just so bizarre because we earned our right to be there, and we thought we were going to have another two weeks together, or a week and a half at a minimum. And we felt like we could win in the NCAA tournament, and we were prepared because of what we went through last year. And so it's just not having closure from that respect. Like, you know, we didn't normally have a team dinner or like a banquet or something like that. Well, now we're not going to have that. And that's just part of the deal. But that's what you just all the emotions that you go through. And, and, um, and you just don't want the season to stop because you believe in your guys. You love them to death. It's a phenomenal group to be around. And I know I say that a lot. People probably think like, oh, it's not a utopia, Smith. Like, and I get it. But like, it just was a fantastic group. Um, to be around every day, and and now it's just done, and and that's you know that's the beauty of sports. I think it teaches you a lot of lessons about life and the quote unquote real world, and and life doesn't stop, you know it just keeps on going, and and you have to be able to deal with all those types of things and be a leader in the community and be a a leader for for people and be the example and keep pushing forward. Mm. Great words there, absolutely. Get off, brush off the dust, and and keep going as a leader. Uh, Coach, I understand the depth of this question, and I know that there are so many working parts to it, so I don't expect you to break down the whole bit of it. But I am curious. Remember, I'm just a basketball coach. I I, I get that, but I am am curious your, your thoughts on the conversation of giving these seniors another year of eligibility that wouldn't be moving on to the NBA. Is that ever going to be possible? Is that a conversation that needs to go away? Your thoughts on it? Yeah, that's a great point. I don't know how you, you know, uh, I thought about it a little bit. I probably should think about it more. I'm not sure I'm going to have much um, of a, a voice, but um, that's a great question. I don't know exactly how you would do it. Uh, I don't know, you know, do you, I, I would think if something like that happens, you'd have to limit it to the, the, the teams that made the NCAA tournament. Um, or the teams that were still playing for an opportunity to make the NCAA tournament. Um, and then, you know, when you look at the big picture, how do those ramifications have on, you know, all the record books for so many of these, you know, uh, individual players or schools um, and all that all works. But certainly, you know, it is a, a big moment for those, for those guys and, and you know, um, uh, they don't get a chance to go back, right? The finality of it is they're done. And so, uh, um, you know, I, I think it would be a great thing, certainly, uh, but I don't know how exactly you do that, except for what I just said. And then, of course, doing it where they stay at that school because yeah. that's who they represented, right, at that time. And do you allow them to transfer or not? Um, all those things come into play. So, um, it'll be interesting how that works. I thought the NCAA did a great job coming out and certainly awarding all the spring student-athletes or student-athletes that participate in sports in the spring to make sure they get that extra year back. And that's an easier one, of course. Um, um, it'd be cool to see, most definitely, but we'll see what happens. 
Would you have wanted to have a selection Sunday yesterday with the announcements, or would that have just rubbed salt in the wound? Um, I mean, it would have been cool in some respects just to see the you know the feel and everything. At the same time, at some time, you got to move on, and and uh, but you know, it's always interesting. I, and one of the things, you know, one shiny moment isn't just a song to our guys, right? That's uh, uh, it's all the, the the effort that goes into it and the sacrifice and so on and so forth. And that is one of the coolest days of the year, isn't it? Yeah. Like when they unveil the brackets. Oh man, it's just what a buzz it is, and to see the matchups and you have that announcement. And as coaches, as players, and fans, obviously the serious adrenaline. Am I going to, or not? Am I going or not? I got to get plane tickets. You know, what are we playing? And immediately you're researching the teams that you're playing in your bracket and so on and so forth. So, um, you know. It would have been cool, but at the same time, it is what it is. And quite frankly, all of our guys wouldn't be here anyway because they're in route getting home. Yeah, I think I know you guys well enough. If they would have announced some uh, matchups, even though you're not playing, uh, you guys would have cracked into synergy a little bit and uh, done a little bit of scouting. <laughs> I guarantee it. Yeah, coaches get a little sadistic with that stuff. <laughs> they're like, man, we would have won that game. Yeah. You know? and, uh, <laughs> it's like, it would have been fun to see, but... You know, at the same time, like anything in life, let's deal with reality and let's deal with what's in front of us. And a big thing now is, uh, of course, being around for your guys and making sure they take care of their schoolwork. And, and you know, you know, some guy, like we had a guy on our team from Poland. Well, he was planning on going home. Now he can't, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, and there's just all those types of different things. And you're making sure uh, all of our guys are situated with their travel arrangements and of course, with their schoolwork and all those types of things. And then uh, for us, it's, you know, we got to keep recruiting. Like, recruiting never stops. And I'm no rocket scientist, but, you know, good players make coaches look a lot smarter than they are. And, and um, that's the lifeline of your program, and you got to constantly be recruiting, and it's 24-7, 365 to find the, the right fits that fit a need in your program, on your team, but also guys that are going to thrive in Cash Valley and be a true asset um, in Cash Valley and for our program. And so uh, we're really locked into that piece of it right now. We'll give our guys a few weeks away to just kind of recover their body and mentally be ready, ready to go um, if we can even start individual workouts in a few weeks, uh, which looks unlikely, but they can still get in the gym, gym on their own and uh, get back at it. So, Coach, one thing that Scotty and I would like to do, because we know a lot of people are shifting their work environment and they're working from home, and a lot of people aren't getting out to kind of see what's going on around them. So Scotty and I like to are going to try to paint as many pictures as we can for people that are tuning in and listening. What, what's it like up on campus? Are, are you headed into the office? Do you go to the office? What's it like on campus? Kind of give us your thoughts and paint a picture for what you're seeing. Well, it's quiet, no doubt. Um, I'm at my house right now. I'll be I'll be heading up to the office here shortly. Um, but you know, since since all of this has been done, we've been obviously been up to the office every day, and it's just it's quiet. You know, I haven't um, you don't see a whole lot of people, and we kind of live at our you know we're, our offices are in the Estes, so that's where we're at. I haven't really walked around campus or done anything like that. I maybe have a little different perspective because my oldest son, uh, Landon, is a freshman at Utah State. And, of course, uh, I think it was Saturday afternoon, uh, President Cockett sent out an email saying, you know, feel free to leave. 
uh, we encourage you to leave. If you decide to, to not live in your resident hall or your dorm, you know, you can get a prorated, uh, you get a prorate, you get a, what do you call it? A prorated money back refund, refund, <laughs> rocket science here. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and the same with your meal plan. And so, you know, like my son Landon decided to do that. Now he's at home. And so like, that might be a little bit of a feel for what's going on. It's going to be so much quieter. Obviously classes are in session, but they transferred over to everything online starting tomorrow. And so it's, uh, almost feels just a little bit eerie, right? And so it's easy to kind of get caught up in your own little world and, and people got to make educated decisions and be smart, not just think of themselves, but think of the big picture. And, and, uh, and now you see the, you know, a lot of states closing, um, restaurants and bars and movie theaters and so on and so forth. So um, certainly it's a very serious deal and there's a lot of unknowns. And and, um, and so we'll, we'll keep going up there, but I've given our staff, you know, in today's mainly if you have a phone and a computer, you can do anything you need to at home uh, at the same time. So, um, so we're just kind of playing it by ear a little bit, but that's a great question and certainly a lot quieter um, um, on campus. Coach, on a personal note, can't thank you for all the interviews and all the conversations throughout the season this year. It's been an absolute blast. Wish it could have gone a little longer, but uh, you're the best. And uh, stay safe up there, and uh, let's talk again soon. All right, guys. Always great being on your show. Appreciate you having me on, and go Aggies. All right, thanks, Dan and Scotty. That was Coach Craig Smith, Utah State Basketball. Coming up next, we'll hit some earthquake news. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome on in on this Thursday morning, a little past 6.30. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK. I am PK. Well, it was just about almost 24 hours ago that man, our little world here in Salt Lake City, Utah, and along the Wasatch Front, uh, we really got in for a big-time shake, literally, right? Man, I was doing the show. Now, the way it was set up is I'm in studio today, but yesterday I was at home, right, doing the show from home. And we're trying to do the social distancing and keep guys away from each other. So I had the remote equipment that I was able to do the show from home, just like we would be at any of our phenomenal advertisers that we have with us, and we do that on the road. So I was just doing it at home. And 709 hits, and look out, man. I'm doing it from home. At first, I thought it was just a massive wind gust coming down from the canyon. Sometimes we get that, but not like that. And I first thought to myself, I'm literally on the air speaking. I thought, wow. This is a nasty wind gust. And then I knew exactly what it was because I spent almost 10 years living in Los Angeles in the middle 80s into the early 90s before I moved to Salt Lake City, Vin Sandy to be exact, in 1993. And my wife's a school teacher. She was getting ready to go to work. And we heard it because you can hear the walls. You can hear it shake. We knew exactly what it was after about three seconds because we've had experience with it we've been i know a lot of you haven't and that was your first earthquake joe ingles tweeted about that we'll have on joe 
supposed to join us here in a couple hours, and he was talking about how he'd never experienced anything with that like that before. Now, if he had stayed with the Clippers six years ago, he probably would have had some experience with it. But no, here we haven't had it, and uh, and then I find out you know it's the biggest one they had uh, in the states since 1992, and yeah, that's why I didn't remember anything because I moved here in '93, and it knocked us off the air. And I got a uh, 14-year-old, actually turns 15 tomorrow, a ninth grader, came out and sleeping at that time. It's 7.09 in the morning because school's out. They're doing the work remotely themselves. And so she was sleeping like, what was that? Woke her up. And wow, man, that was incredible. Those things are scary. You know, I've been through several over the years, and every one of them is scary because once they come down... You know, after you've been through a few of them, you know exactly what they are, and then you're wondering, all right, how big is it going to be? What's the damage? How many people are going to die? Am I going to die? All those types of things. I had a number of experiences with earthquakes over the years. I wrote about it. You can check it out on our site and uh, also KSL. And the uh, very first one we'd experienced was in the summer of uh, 1986. We had just moved over to San Pedro, California, just about 20 miles south of Downtown Los Angeles, straight down the Harbor Freeway. Any of you old-timers, it's uh, Harbor Town. It's where the love boats sailed out of. It's the L.A. Harbor is in, in, my, in that community. And Sunday morning, and the bed starts shaking. Was, I think it was about 6.30 in the morning. And the bed starts shaking, and the sun was uh, just about ready to, to rise up. So I know it was... Uh, it was late. Uh, it was in the summer when the, the you know you get the maximum exposure of the sunshine each day, because I can remember that you could see it. You know, the room was lit and uh, the sun had come through the, the windows, and the bed's shaking. And my wife says to me, "What are you doing? Why are you shaking the bed?" Because she thought I was shaking the mattress or something, messing around. Not 6:30 on a Sunday morning. And I said, and I'd already woke up because I'm I'm not the best sleeper. I sleep pretty light. And I I'm up three, four times a night as it is. And so I was up and I said to her, I'm not doing anything. And she was kind of drowsy waking up in that stage of the process of waking up. We had in the bedroom, there was a hook on the ceiling. It was an apartment. And so the hook was already there. So we put a plant with a, a rope, a decorative rope and a plant. And you could see the thing swaying back and forth going left to right, going back and forth. And I said, check that out, man. <laughs> we are having an earthquake. And then it didn't last very long, but it was enough to see that thing sway. And we were in a uh, three-story apartment complex, and we were on the bottom floor. So that was pretty scary. And then we had some other instances. I was at work one time. I worked for the South Bay Daily Breeze newspaper in the from the Torrance, California area. And it was probably about 8, 8.30 in the morning, and it started. And we got under our desks. Uh, we, we didn't know how long it was going to last, and, you know, it was a little bit away to the door. So we immediately got under our desks to protect ourselves because I remember there was a TV right above my head that you'd have on, watch the morning news and all that type of stuff. And then there was one, uh, I also remember we had a we had a kid at that point. And we were living in a townhouse, a two-story townhouse. And the baby was in the next room. So we had a two-bedroom townhouse, right? It was our first foray at real estate, which didn't go very well in California. But nevertheless, no need to get into that one. We've since moved to Utah, and we've had success with real estate and anticipate more success. 
But at the time, it was again in the morning. It's probably uh, probably about three, four in the morning because it was dark, and we start with the earthquake. And by that point, we had had several earthquakes, so we knew exactly what it was. One time, I had an earthquake when that same townhouse that we were trying to sell, and people were going through the house when it happened. And I was in the house, and there was no damage to the house. And the realtor said, well, at least we know it's earthquake-proof. Yeah, because it was a newer one. We bought it brand new, actually. And so, anyway, back to the other earthquake. The When it came, we had the baby in the other room, which was just a little bit down the hall. So my wife rolled over to her right shoulder, and I was sleeping on the right side of the bed, and just reached back with her left hand, used my face as a starting block to hop out of the bed <laughs> and go get the baby. Forget me. The baby was far more important, understandably, for a new mom. And got the baby, and we stayed. Uh, she, We hugged. We were together in the doorway on the second floor because you don't know, do I risk going downstairs and going outside? And, and it was a townhouse community, so we're all jammed in there. So those are some of the things that I experienced. And then this one uh, yesterday morning, just about, what, uh, 24 and a half hours ago. Uh, How did you like it? For many of you, that was most likely your first experience with an earthquake, was it not? Yeah, I think it was. So put up on Facebook, and we can get to this this morning, maybe have some fun with it. but a very serious subject, obviously. Particularly, I'll read you the first one. So I put on Facebook, for first-timers, what did you make of the earthquake? And Danny felt said, felt like a truck crashed into my workplace. Took two hours for my high-functioning autistic son to calm down. Yeah, I don't know what that's like. That, uh, that is serious. So uh, hopefully for Danny and his son, everything is okay. Uh, Josh said, it felt like the motion ride at the Excalibur in Las Vegas. All right. I can see that. Uh, Devin was kissing my wife by, about to head out the door, felt and sounded like a freight train, felt completely helpless for about 15 seconds. That's exactly right, because you don't know what to do, particularly if you didn't have any experience in them. What do you do? What's going to happen? You know, do you have stuff that could fall? Now, I went downstairs. I got a two-story home. I went downstairs, and I got a little office. It's more of a man cave now. And a couple of things had uh, fallen off. You know, I got uh, – I have one a collection. I have a collection of all um, – trying to get all the Major League Baseball caps that are fitted for my head. I have uh, – what's what's my uh, what's my head size? I think it's uh, eight and three-eighths or something like that, or seven and three-eighths. Uh, yeah, seven and three-eighths. Eight would be a little bit big there, but seven and three-eighths. And so I have all the caps. I don't have all of them. I'm missing like six where I've been to all the stadiums, and then I buy a fitted cap, and then I hang them up on the wall. And so I got a real nice little man cave with a television in there, and some of the stuff that I had had fallen off. Nothing major, no significant damage. We're fortunate, nothing. Uh, So... I know during the time of the earthquake that it is about as scary as can be because you don't know how, how long it's going to last and what the extent of it is. And what do they say, 5-7, I guess, which is fairly mild. But you don't know that. You don't know that at the time. You have no idea what the intensity is, how long it's going to go, and uh, what is it, what's it going to be. Because once you start getting up to 
a little bit beyond that, then it gets extremely serious. You know, I was surprised. Uh, Ray put on her Facebook, never felt anything in Payson, so it was a bit of a letdown. I'm surprised because everybody I spoke to, uh, my little small circle of friends, we all felt it. And then there was another one that was in the fours around uh, one fifteen in the afternoon, and we all felt that one too, for sure. Uh, so, you know, you got that one going on there. Uh, Steve says the sound was surprising. The shaking, not so much. Yeah, the the sound of it rumbling, uh, you just can't uh, you can't escape that. It, it, once you know it, it's like one of these things. It's hard to to describe how it sounds, but once you've gone through it, you get it, and you get the the nature of it, and you know what's coming. Tyler said that's something I want to be a second timer for. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Blair, the what? I was sleeping. Wow. Uh, hard to believe that uh, you were sleeping through it all. Jana, totally freaked me out. Yes, I would ex- suspect that. And I would think that that would be the case. And no matter how many you've been through, I think that's the situation. So, And then obviously here at the station, what? I was at home. The thing went down. And we were off the air off the air for the third time in a week a little over a week because of last week with the coronavirus and they needed to clean the building where the jazz play we broadcast up on the fifth floor and still very few people are are, are in the building and and dj's not gonna be in today he was doing it from the studio i was doing it home he's not gonna be in today so i'm doing it in the studio and uh man just can't wait to get back to normal whatever normal is i don't know the new i guess it's the new normal but grateful to be here, grateful to be alive. We've got some stuff for you tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow. We've got some stuff for you tomorrow, too. But, uh, you know, let's stick to today right now. Worry about today, the Thursday edition of DJ MPK. Yeah. Our plan is, you know, obviously, thank goodness for the NFL because they got some stuff going on. But our plan is DJ is going to check in via phone, hopefully. Uh, Craig Bullerjack at 8.30 going to join us. He was in Oklahoma City. And that harrowing experience, obviously, uh, uh, eight days ago. And then Joe Ingles, supposed to join us right after 9 o'clock. Obviously, Joe was right there and is affected, and he's sitting out here as everyone is away from the game and all that stuff. Wish the game could come back, but obviously we're going to have to wait. All right, there you go. And you can share uh, with us your experience uh, on your first, especially if it was your first time. Even if it wasn't, how crazy was it? How crazy are these times that we are living in? Stay with us. It's a 7 o'clock hour coming up next. We'll kick it off with What's Trending. Then we'll get in the heart of the show. And then later on, we'll have Craig Bowlerjack and Joe Ingles right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.